0: computer and live on YouTube. And then we shall be rolling here. Um, let's see. I should probably do this in advance, but then, uh, you know, that's a debate. If I do it in advance then there might be just me yammering. <laughs> um, let's see. So we've got the live stream meeting going on. So the, the show, as I mentioned, live streams on about 10 different platforms, plus TikTok. And of course, the, uh, the, the flagship station still is YouTube, um, but, um, but you know trying to diversify. Right. So, so Michael Schmidt is with us. Thank you for joining me, everyone. Charles Moskowitz live Monday through Friday, 12 to 1 p.m. We also take phone calls, 617-396-4958. 617-396-4958, Michael is a columnist with Politicrossing. he's got a column up uh, his latest being charting a course to history's dead end. So Michael, let's, let's go right to that, um, you are comparing and contrasting the um, political and philosophical orientation of the previous administration the trump administration to the biden administration in a nutshell if you had to use i don't mean to put you on a spot here but if you had to use two terms that would describe each what would they be oh i would say um
1: the trump administration um i think engaged very much in a foreign policy process much like the reagan administration uh, where it was peace through strength, um, by uh, working on building up the military, um, by uh, um, engaging and, um, and not uh, appeasing our enemies, but uh, understanding who the enemies were and uh, engaging them um, through uh, a little more aggressive foreign policy, um, and um, also um, backing up our allies, letting our allies know that, hey, we got your back. Um, whether that was Israel, um, whether that was, uh, um, you know, Taiwan, uh, you know, in China, uh, that whole uh, ordeal that's going on over there. Um, it's just a matter of um, uh, taking a foreign policy approach where uh, you, uh, everybody kind of knows where you stand uh, yep. because uh, the previous administration, uh, the Obama administration, eight years uh, would be what I would call uh, basically appeasement. Um, and it was a... Uh, um, you know, uh, people that were generally our allies were, were miffed by the Obama administration and put aside, um, and um, people that were uh, rogue nations that you would have thought would be uh, dealt with on a, uh, um, a much more harsher uh, level, um, they basically um, cozied up to, uh, whether it was Iran, whether it was China, um, whether it was Russia, um, and um, you know whether it was Islamic terrorism I mean you look at what happened with Islamic terrorism during the eight years of Obama I mean look at how many look at how many terrorist attacks there were um, and and maybe my memory is 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 short and maybe you can help me out but I don't remember any Islamic terrorist um,
0: real incidents during the four years of Trump um, no, I, believe- I don't think so I don't think so I mean I, I would describe, The uh, difference as uh, that Trump is a nationalist and a populist, whereas Obama, I mean, Obama, slip of the tongue, same difference, I suppose. Yes. Biden is a a, um, an internationalist and a liberal. Yes. And uh, by nationalist, I, I mean that he was putting the interests of his nation first, asking other nations to put the interests of their nations first because the nation state is a progressive idea. And that didn't mean that he was not engaging with the rest of the world. He was from a position, as you say, with Reagan's doctrine of peace through strength. Um, And the result was that there were no wars. There was a de-escalation of American engagement in Afghanistan and Iraq. There was a move toward getting NATO allies to pay for their own defense. After all, World War II has now been over for almost a century. And there was uh, an improvement with the relations with North Korea, not a diplomatic relation, but at least uh, you'll note they stopped with the missile testing during his years, except maybe in the very first months. And uh, generally speaking, a a strengthened position in terms of trade with China for sure. Uh, standing up to Chinese aggression and and yet not in a sense of, a, of having a war. Whereas with, with Obama or Biden, I should say, it's back to the old regressive international, you know, perpetual war policy for perpetual peace um, that was laid out by um, historian Charles Austin Beard in the 1920s in his book entitled Perpetual War for Perpetual Peace. That's been the American doctrine since then. And uh, we're back to that. America basically serving as a kind of a, a tool of a world order, uh, what they're now calling the Great Reset. And, um, you know, it's, it's not good for, for um, sovereignty. It's not good for the future of the citizen. And as far as like the, the populism goes, he stood for localism. He stood for limited government. He stood for the uh, sovereign right of the citizen under God being predominantly focused on the individual under God, and that the state would be there to protect, preserve, and defend those rights. That is the American political philosophy. Rights come from the creator and not the state. Whereas with Biden, he's a liberal, and it's, it's essentially the state grants rights the state acts as a, as, as a, you know, kind of like the divine right of kings. They they, eat it, they send down executive orders. There's no input from the people with regard to the types of laws that we are gonna to have to live under uh, through our elected representatives. I mean, he issued over 50 executive orders. As you say, in the first month of office, mm-hmm. I think that Trump probably ex- issued five maybe at most even Obama didn't issue that many. And so you have essentially rule by decree, And, mm-hmm. um, you know, no one's, there's nothing, not a word barely said about it in the media, because they basically put him in power. Yeah.
1: Well, and in my, in my article was, uh, I wanted to do a foreign policy piece, because I, um, as you know, uh, with my writing, I try to use history as a guide. And yeah. uh, very much, uh, you know, you can you know, whether you say history repeats itself or not, I mean, that's open for debate, and we can have a debate on that. But um, it, it definitely you can find parallels. And um, I think we can find a parallel between uh, 1930s Germany and, and uh, modern day China, and the path that we're going down. And uh, really, the point of my piece was, do we want to go down that path again? Do we want to um, do what Europe did, um, and what uh, Neville Chamberlain did, and uh, appease uh, a growing threat to uh um, to the world. And, um, you know, if we go down that path again, then we push ourselves to the brink of, of a possible World War III. And um, I don't think anybody wants that, especially after what's going on with this whole virus mass. And, uh, uh, you know, I, I, the world is, uh, I, anybody, depending what your no matter what your opinion was uh, of Donald Trump, I don't think you can have an argument to say that the last four years under the Trump administration, have been a relatively uh, peaceful four years. Uh, I think the they world completely
0: would be- peaceful. I mean, yeah, maybe he might have he loved a bomb here and there, you know, yeah. which was very targeted against a specific enemy right. that was trying to kill right. us. Uh, you sorry. know, you mentioned you make a parallel historically between the early days of Nazi Germany and mm. what's going on today, and certainly what's going on in China. And uh, and by the way, uh, Chinese the Chinese are. Genociding the Uyghurs, the Muslim Uyghurs, yeah. and apparently um, when uh, when Obama's press secretary, or I should say Biden, why, why do I keep saying? That? <laughs> well, they are one and the same, and, that's, yeah. and, and basically <laughs> we've returned. Yeah. Uh, you know that. That when she was asked about this, she said, "Well, we're not going to interfere in the cultural um, norms in, in norms. Yeah. Thank you uh, of China. First of oh. all. That is a viciously anti-Chinese statement because China has a thousand-year civilization that is one of the great civilizations of history. They do not have a history of genociding people. Right. You know, they generally, like any history, it's not perfect, but for the most part, they have always they have not been aggressive toward toward uh, you know other peoples, and um, that this is a communist legacy, not a Chinese legacy.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And the fact that they would now turn a blind eye to the communist Chinese who are pouring who knows how much money into democratic coffers
2: mm-hmm. and,
0: and, you know, who are basically corrupting American politics yes. is absolutely aiding and abetting genocide. We have to name it for what it is. Oh, yeah. Now, as far as the business of comparing, you know, these early days to the Nazis, you know, we can't say that. Anymore, because we saw, for example, that this actress, uh, Gina Carano, I think her name is. Yes. She yep. made similar comments in a tweet, and she's now been fired from from her job at Disney. So you know, you know, which in a way almost confirms and reinforces exactly what she's talking about and mm-hmm. what we're talking about right now. You have a level of censorship now where you can't make these sorts of comparisons. And by the way, when we say that we're moving toward a more national socialist type system, Mm -hmm. that doesn't mean, you know, swastikas and, you know, it's not anti-Semitism and concentration camps. Although although anti-Semitism
1: is clearly on a rise, I mean, you have to be almost blind not to see it.
0: So, oh, yeah. And I ha- I'm having Rabbi Arya Sparrow come on with me to talk about that. But, but the point is that I don't think anyone's accusing, you know, Biden or, or this of, of, of that. That's not the issue. You know, that's, that was a German, a very specific yeah, thing. Right. But we're talking more philosophically of the, the idea of a national socialist system, where you have an oligarchy that is working hand in glove, with mol- monopolistic corporations and, and big tech. Mm-hmm. That's fascism. That's Nazism with a small N. It's not Nazism with brown shirts and armbands, you know, well, I mean, so I mean, you it, have to get beyond those images and just talk right. about what, what it is.
1: Well, and look at it this way, Charles. I mean, it's basically a one party rule. And if you look at what um, was going on with this uh, HR one that uh, Congress is looking to, uh, Um, you know, Nancy Pelosi brought this up two years ago. um, And it's basically a Democrat power grab. And so in essence, I mean, what they want to do is they want to stay in power forever and and not have any opposition. And so uh, that's what we're looking at. When when we talk about a a national socialist system, we're talking about a one party government, big government system, you know, and that would be under the Democrat Party, you know, and and Michael,
0: talk a little bit about HR1 what what is the deal with that because i mean i've heard that that's going to essentially and we have to be careful again because this is youtube Right. that's going to codify yeah. um let's just say the the institution of election irregularities oh,
1: there is so but much let's, to...
0: let's tread carefully on this subject because yeah in this atmosphere we cannot talk about the last election too explicitly well i think well, people I, know what i'm getting at though yeah
1: no i know i understand charles no I, uh, the hr1 has so much um um <laughs> what i would term uh crap in there that it is it is just beyond uh uh i i would implore people um long as i got a minute call your senators um because congress it's going to go through congress it's going to pass congress and it's going to end up going to the Senate. So. I don't care who your senator is, whether it's Republican or Democrat. Call your senator and tell them vote no on, on HR one when it comes up, mm-hmm. because uh, I I know that uh, if you're in West Virginia or if you're in Arizona with Cinema, uh, West Virginia with uh, Mansion, um, and also uh, Montana with Tester, uh, by golly, get on the phone and and holler. At, you know, don't don't be rude, but call up their offices and talk to them and uh, and say, hey, you know, uh, I'm watching. And uh, this, this bill needs to be voted down. Yeah, um,
0: And even so, if it might seem like a waste of your breath, if you're here in Massachusetts, call, call Elizabeth Warren.
1: <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, and it, I, it doesn't matter. I mean, at this Let point,
0: them know that you're out there.
1: Yeah. You know, I, I think the more pressure, the more they hear from people um, that saying, Hey, you know what, we're watching and we're, we're on the air and, and we're, we're, we're going to, we're going to hold you accountable. and uh, But H.R. 1 has uh, just a, a plethora of bad stuff in here. We're talking about um, allowing 16 and 17-year-olds to register to vote. Um, they're talking about uh, uh, not... Um, well, not by the be-
0: way, isn't that something that has to be done by a, an amendment? Like, there was a constitutional amendment that yes. passed in 1969, which lowered the voting age from 21 to 18. They can't just do that by fiat. There has to be, that's a, you know, that is a fundamental change in in law. You cannot, you know, Congress doesn't even have the power to do that. That has to be done by amendment, my understanding.
1: Yeah, they want to also mandate a uh, 14 or 15 day uh, mandatory um, 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 pre, um, what do you call it? Before, uh, two weeks before election day, um basically have it uh, have it uh an election uh almost an election month um where you uh, uh can come and vote uh there's okay. going to be no purging of rolls. um if anybody uh makes so an what attempt-
0: happens if, uh, if there's no? is first of all that's an interference in the states the state legislators have the only they have, constitutional yes. power the yes. plenary power yes to, to make election laws so yeah. that's that should be challenged but But if if they're saying there's to be no purging of roles, then what do you do when you have people in the roles who have either passed away or they've moved out of state or they are, for whatever reason, no longer citizens of that district? I mean, are are there names just to be there? And if so, why?
1: No, and as a matter of fact, uh, if anybody does try to challenge anything, they they ha- they face a possibility of of, uh, of legal ramifications uh, uh, against them as well.
0: Well, I just wonder how logically they explain I, that. I mean, again, that I be, don't know, but isn't I, that the function of a local clerk and is. local to make sure, for example, that everybody that's collecting social security, everyone that's collecting COVID assistance? Yep. We know that apparently there's been billions of dollars in COVID assistance that have gone to fraud, you know, wrong. I mean, that's that's called, uh, you know, forensic audit. That's that's fraud protection. I mean, the social security agency actually has, I actually interviewed someone off the record who works for them. And they look at potential social security fraud. Mm-hmm. And they find cases where they research and there's something, some kind of an anomaly going on. Mm-hmm. And they find out that someone was drawing a social security check who either didn't exist, or they were not entitled to it. Mm-hmm. Why would the voting rolls be any different? If someone is not any longer a person in that district, why would they, get, they're saying now, oh, you have to leave them there? For what mm-hmm. reason? Why would you leave someone's name on a voting list if they are no longer alive or if they're no longer living in that district?
2: I, think I want to, to know the future. answer to that
0: question. And <laughs> you need to call your state senator, your state rep and say, don't let the legislature Get involved in this and call your U.S. House member and senator and say, "I want a simple answer to a simple question. Under not only law and custom, but under common sense, why would we want our local uh, voter rolls to have people on the list who are no longer in- there? They no longer exist. They're there. They passed away. Right. You know, it's it's a simple question yep. that needs a simple answer.
1: Yep." Um, this bill also outlaws voter ID. It makes voter which, ID. Which,
0: if anything, that we should have the opposite right now. Correct. We should have. I mean, last October, Pelosi issued. You know, wanted to pass a stimulus bill that included. I think it was like billions of dollars toward quote voter reform. Mm-hmm. We don't know who was getting that money or what they were trying to do, but what we could say is that a small portion of that money could go toward a. A, a program that would provide free voter ID to the voter. Right. I mean, we, you know, people, I, I agree that people shouldn't pay for it, Right. that it should be easy to get, but just like you have to get a driver's license, you know, there is nothing wrong with getting voter ID, but they're, they're put, the, the, the marketing of this is that somehow having a voter ID means that you have something against black men and women. You've got something against minorities, which itself is is profoundly racist because mm-hmm. they're suggesting that someone who is black or somebody who is a person of color, that they're too stupid to get an ID. I mean, what are they saying? Mm-hmm. And if they, if they do believe that, then why don't they make an effort to help people get IDs if that be the case? Right. right. I mean, when someone applies for, for example, a welfare benefit or when exactly. someone applies for any government benefit, why not at that point issue them a, an ID? I mean, a voter mm-hmm. ID. So, you know, exactly. show some kind of proof of residence. I mean, it's not this isn't that difficult. No. And no. and the whole thing is, you know, it was cooked up by this phony organization called the Brennan Institute, the, uh, the constant Brennan Brennan Center for the Constitution, whatever they call it. They gave it some nice sounding name. Founded by and financed by George Soros. It's a turf group. And they came out with this phony study, which showed that voter ID is racist. It's completely bogus. We should get someone who is a major in statistics. I'm actually studying statistics right now at a college. And it's not easy for me at my age. But I mean, I, uh, I appreciate the value of it right we need some statisticians who know how to how to uh, essentially distribute data and then interpret it to find out exactly whether or not this research study by the brandon institute is true we need them to go into it and take a look
1: well, you need you need to ask then, uh, you know, representatives and say, okay, well, then is it racist that I have to, uh, um, to show an ID at the uh, at the public library to get a library card? Of course, It's absurd. Is, is it I racist mean, it was, to to uh, to show an ID in order to uh, to buy alcohol at an alcohol store? Or is it racist whatever. to show an ID to get cigarettes?
0: I, well, I mean, I mean, the whole the whole premise of it is bogus. Yeah. Black people and, and and brown people and Asians and everyone else are perfectly just as capable of getting an ID as white people. I Mm -hmm. mean, this is just false. And if someone is having a problem getting an ID, then sure, step, I mean, of course, I don't think it happens. But if it does, it's an outlier, as they say in statistics, right, Right. then they can get help. It's not simple. I mean, this is ridiculous. So but but they want to essentially ban that Yes. So, so we're never going to have another free election. We're never going to have mm-hmm. another honest election. No. They, they, they call
1: HR one for the People Act, but I would I would rename it for the Democratic Party Act because in yeah. essence that's what it is. It's it's a it's a raw power grab, is what
0: it is. It's uh, for these hacks who are paying for vote counters. You know, like what what apparently Zuckerberg did,
2: mm-hmm. and
0: and other people to go into uh, and do. Things we we can't talk about right now yes. because this is YouTube, right? And uh, and yeah, I mean it's institutionalizing what we're talking about in terms of the philosophy that's going on here. Yes, yes. So I mean, HR- HR-1 goes,
2: Yeah. So that's my
1: Yeah, HR one cuts really right to the chase of what we were talking about as far as a one party system and and really you know trying to uh, solidify uh, their power. So.
0: Yeah. Right. So, uh, your your article is on Politicrossing. Yes, which uh, is uh, it's it's this new politics website which looks at kind of an intersection of politics and faith. Mm-hmm. Um, the article is uh, entitled "Charting a Course to History's Dead End." Will you take a look at historic antecedents um, a- as a way of looking at American policy now, both foreign and domestic? Um, We've talked a little bit about the foreign policy, appeasing the, uh, the communist Chinese is the big one
2: mm-hmm. and
0: turning a blind eye on the Uyghurs, which is something that Democrats, this isn't new. I mean, Jimmy Carter turned a blind eye on the Cambodian genocide,
2: mm-hmm.
0: right? I mean, Clinton yep. turned a blind eye on the Rwandan genocide. Mm-hmm. So yeah. we're not talking about, we could even say that FDR ignored the, the Holocaust. Oh, yeah. He had information in front of them. He decided not yeah. to mention it. Yeah. So, so, I mean, I guess that, you know, it's, this isn't a new thing, no. you know, this is history repeating itself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very much so. And, and I, I wanted to
1: look at it from a, uh, from a foreign policy standpoint, and I kind of do it more in a, uh, in a broader sense mm-hmm. because um, um, you know, weakness invites aggression and we've seen it throughout the course of history. And so um and now whether or not your enemy, uh, act you whether or not you actually are really weak or your enemy perceives you as being weak, it really doesn't much matter. Um, you know, if that, you know, the old saying is perception is reality, right? So if they perceive you as being weak, then they will take advantage of you. And um, I, I just, I my, the point of my piece was really to sense to try to let people understand that we're going back down a road again that we don't want to be going back down we're, we're making the world a much more dangerous place than we need to um and uh by by charting a, a course on these particular policies that history has showed us has failed um we're we're beating our heads against a brick wall again and oh. um but yet you have to look at who uh who the presidents uh, surround themselves with and if you look a lot of uh biden's uh uh People that he has in his administration are all a lot of former Obama, uh, Obama acolytes.
0: Oh, yeah. They're all, I mean, I mean, unfortunately, Trump also brought in a couple of real winners. I mean, there's no yes. question about that. I mean, that's oh, one yeah. of the criticisms. He didn't take a harder look at some of the people right. that he surrounded himself with, and many of them were not loyal to the principles that he was elected to try to implement. Mm-hmm. Um, but in the case of Biden, I don't know if it's an issue of loyalty, they all are on the same page. They're all
1: on the same page.
0: Yeah, right. So, yep. so we have. Um, we also have, and this is something that that you've commented on. What I would describe as a culturekampf in this country mm-hmm. right now. Yeah. Um, the culturekampf, of course, happened in uh, in Germany in the late 19th century, under Bismarck, when essentially the Catholic Church was purged mm-hmm. in, in Germany. Um, mm-hmm. Priests were forced out of the country. There were there were people who were arrested. There was a crackdown on, in the broader sense, on faith, and a move more toward a socialistic system, under Bismarck, a sort of a strong, in a way, it was the first national socialist movement mm-hmm. in Germany. We yeah. had this strong imperial state that um, was based on on Hegelian models and mm-hmm. also on uh, on uh, Nietzsche. You know, the idea of the will right. as being the primary. Uh, force in life, and uh, there was also this German thinker Oswald Spengler, who uh, talked about—he's oh, English, I think—who talked about the nation-state as literally having a life, right. like a birth, a, a, mm-hmm. an adolescence, mm-hmm. a growth, then a, a, a climax, and then a decline and a death,
2: mm-hmm.
0: and uh, that the state became a living organism that people would just be appendages of. In other words, the the rights would not come from the creator, which is the American philosophy of government. Rights would come from the state and that the state itself was a living organism and that we were all just a part of it. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think we're undergoing something like that now. It's an American version of a culture comp. Yeah, I, I, I wrote and we talked about
1: it uh, a few weeks ago, but uh, the American version of a cultural revolution and, and you know, kind of going back to Mao's cultural revolution in China. Yes. And you can see very, very similar, um, you know, mechanisms <laughs> at play here in America. Um, and, and uh, you know, look at what's been happening uh um, you know, I mean, it was news the other day about Dr. Seuss books? Yeah, right.
0: <laughs> uh, and books are now, and in fact, I, I saw a little something from I think the Epic Times that Amazon is now quietly beginning to censor books
2: mm-hmm. that
0: they think might have said something either, you know, against uh, uh, something that could be mildly viewed as racist. Mm-hmm. Or something that's against the, uh, the trans movement. Mm-hmm. Let's be careful here. This is YouTube. Oh, um, we can't kind of talk about certain taboo subjects. But the point I'm making here is that there is an informal form of a culture comp. There's going mm-hmm. to be a carving and a channeling yes. of a certain way of communicating and thinking, mm-hmm. very similar to communist China. Oh, yeah. Big tech is uh, very influenced by communist China. I think it was uh, George Gilder. He's a great philosopher, American thinker. He's written many books, and he's uh, written extensively on both China and on on big tech. And uh, I heard him uh, uh, give an interview recently where he said that China has a, a social score, mm-hmm. that you if you don't have a high social score, in you don't get privileges from the state you can't travel correct you can't buy certain things mm-hmm. you have you know more intense laws on you and that he said that we're going to be seeing a move toward this in this country because companies like google and i don't want to get specific here yep they have capitulated to the chinese model mainly for money they want to do business in china mm-hmm. and think with hollywood you know, yep. they, some of the movies they make, they don't even release them here. They just go Same right thing with home. the NBA. Yeah. The NBA, I think, was it one of the uh, owners criticized, sub- mm-hmm. said some tweets, mildly supportive of the general Iranian manager. In, yeah, that's right. In, in Hong Kong, you covered that. Yeah. And you had people like LeBron James and others all of a sudden get up and say, oh, mm-hmm. this is terrible. Mm-hmm. So you have, it's going to hurt our business to mm-hmm. criticize China. So you have this being transferred to America. At the time that I heard Gilda say this, and this is several years ago, this is before Trump was president. This is before anything. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, that's incredible. I don't think that could ever happen in America. Mm -hmm. That was my reaction. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But, you know, a lot of things that we never thought would happen here are happening.
1: Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, I, you know, we've talked about it in the past on, on, on our podcast interviews, but uh, I mean, do you do you think 15, 20 years ago that uh, people would have given up their uh, their rights so freely, uh, their freedom and liberty for a virus? I would right. say no. You oh, know, but- I mean,
0: even, you know, that's, that's interesting, because look, I mean, I'm terrified of this virus. And I think that we have to take precautions. But but that's different than having these kinds of, of laws that come in, and yeah, I mean that that was uh, you know you take a look at um, you know in, I don't think like in in Europe Germany never shut down their schools, yeah, you know I, I Sweden never even and oh. the Netherlands they didn't have masks. Yeah, I mean, and and I don't know if their rates are higher or le- or lower. Yeah, for that, I, I'm not here saying don't wear these things, don't do these things. I do it.
1: Well no it, I mean and my I think my my point overall point is the fact that you know in American society we've always felt that the individual has a choice of of how to live their life you know it's it's that life liberty and pursuit of happiness and every person chooses how they go about doing that. What we are seeing now over the last you know year year and a half is is we're seeing that whole model being pushed away and people are being um Almost um, numbed or trained to the to to reeducate, be a reeducated to the sense that okay, well, the state tells me I've got to wear a mask, then I guess I'll just go and wear a mask. And people are being trained to to do that. So even when these mask mandates go away, I wonder what percentage of the American population are still going to be out every day wearing a mask, no matter where they are. Because oh, I think a lot of people. They've been trained now to you know, and that, and that's that's the point I'm trying to make is. We're going away from what our founding fathers, <laughs> you know, built, and we're yeah. we're being, we're going more towards a uh, a statist, um, you know, um, communist type regime model, totalitarian model, and that's where the red flags are. That's where we need to wake up a little bit and understand and and try to move this course back towards our founding fathers. Cause if we don't, we're running out of time to be honest with you, Charles. Um, and, no, and-
0: I mean, I, I think so. And, and, you know, you talk about like, you know when you have a thing like the, the pandemic I mean, it changes a culture, mm-hmm. any, any major event does. Mm-hmm. And uh, I mean, my own doctor, I go in for my annual checkup and she kind of thinks like I do on these things. And she said to me, you know I, I think that several of my patients are never gonna stop with masks. It doesn't matter. They're never gonna come out of the house. I mean, they're they're like, you know. They're living in a state of fear. Yeah, and people have, you know, are in this uh, mindset. And, uh, you know, you're familiar, of course, with the Communist Manifesto. I think we Mm -hmm. talked about this. And Mm -hmm. one of the planks of the manifesto and one of the strategies for implementing socialism was to examine a particular society that would be targeted Figure out what their weaknesses are, what their wedge politics are, mm-hmm. and then exacerbate those. Go in and create divisions. I mean, everyone knows that this is what Russia did in this country, even recently. Mm-hmm. They go in and they start to agitate. Apparently, there was a lot of Russian agitation around the George Floyd uh, murder and killing, mm-hmm. I should say,
2: mm-hmm.
0: um, You know, to create division. And, and they view the, the best way to divide the United States and weaken our fabric and our cohesion is by race agitation. Because we are a multiracial country, one of the few in the world. And naturally there is some racial tensions like there would be when anytime you have different people of different ethnic, racial, religious backgrounds living together, you're gonna have differences and there's going to at times be tensions. But Mm -hmm. the idea is to exacerbate those, whereas for the most part, we are cohesive as Americans, and to try to create more division than we need to have. And I would suggest that racial divisions in this country have weakened greatly, particularly Mm -hmm. since World War II, the integration Mm -hmm. of the army, the mm-hmm. integration of sports, yeah. the integration of business. Black people have gone up. They've become more middle class. You know, you have a a, a weakening of the dis- economic disparities. Mm-hmm. You have the removal of the, you know, Jim Crow laws and other heinous things. Mm-hmm. You have the Civil Rights Act. These things have led to an improvement. Mm-hmm. But yet they are going back in with a, with a microscope and they're trying to push a new racism. Um, uh, You know, I heard um, Megan Kelly talk about this. Um, She was on with Bill Maher. I like to watch him once in a while. Mm -hmm. And she said, look, my kids, my two children are in New York City schools. Yes, they're liberal. I understand that even though I'm right of center, that's not a problem. But they're getting this kind of micro education about that white people are evil. And that mm-hmm. you know, have you ever considered being transsexual? I mean, again, we can't go into that. But I mean, just kind of this, this kind of woke education yeah. that is creating unnecessary conflict and division in within young people. You were talking about elementary schools. And I think that they're trying to germinate more race division. Mm-hmm. more more sex division more any division they could come up with
1: i think you but, and i talked about this last time you know charles and with the american version of the uh, of a cultural revolution in the sense that um, you know i call it neo-marxism um because it's almost a twist on on the marxist uh, ideology in the sense that marxism was is basically class struggle right it, it's rich versus exactly. poor it's it's the the bourgeoisie against the proletariat um, and you still see that. I mean, you look at uh, uh, you yeah. know uh, your your senator there and and her uh, brand new yeah. wealth tax that she's proposing, okay? oh yeah, sure. Uh, so you still see that struggles there, but I think more so, um, it's this neo-marxist what I call it in a sense that they're using race, gender, equality, um, equity, you know, um, they're 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 taking word. It's that wordplay issue again where they're they're taking words and they're controlling what the words mean. They're changing the meanings of words to fit their ideology and to cause that division. And um, if you look back to the Obama years, I think that's where it started. I mean, Obama was a, was a, uh, was really his whole career in Chicago was as a community organizer. Okay. So, and, and you can see now as he's gotten back out of office, he's doing that community organizing. Again, he's talking about reparations. He's talking about, I mean, that's 160 years ago, you know, and and yet he's trying to bring bring this all back again, and it's all trying to cut away and eat away at the foundations of America. Um, and it, again, the sixteen uh, the sixteen nineteen uh, project, all of this stuff is trying to cut away at at the foundations of our country. And and you know, like Mark said, you know, if you you start breaking away and get people to forget about their foundations, and you tear that away from people. They're e- you can rebuild uh, a new, uh, a new utopian society, if you will. Right.
0: Uh-huh. Well, sure. I mean, you create yeah. the synthesis and the antithesis. They're, they're, they're going to rewrite history. together. together. trying to do so. And, and and look, there is a dialectic, of course, that's natural. We're not talking about that. We're talking about them isolating certain issues and then, mm-hmm. deli- you know, kind of through social engineering, right, crashing them together in order to weaken the fabric of the of the whole you know, and then they emerge as the great, you know, men on the white horse to rescue us, you know, that we've arrived, you know, it's like, like, like Mighty Mouse, uh, you know, here I come to save the day, right? right. So they march in and then they, they essentially implement a stronger, more centralized thing. I mean, this is their idea of progress. And of course in nature, the natural uh, theory, so-called natural is uh, is Darwin. The mm-hmm. idea that that, that, that so archer, the species pops a new species as superior. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, this is uh, this is exactly what they're up to, and I, I mean, I don't think it started with Obama. It's no. Um,
1: I, I think I think if you look at the Obama years, and you look uh, particularly, you look at his interactions um, with with what happened uh, um, with uh, down in Florida um, with the. Uh, um, Oh, I forget the name of the uh, of the kid who was uh, killed by George. Um,
0: uh, oh, you mean Trayvon Martin? Trayvon Martin, and he right. said it was it was
1: innocuous, but he said, "Hey, you know, if if I had a if I had a boy, you know, a son, he, w- he would look like Trayvon." Right. Again, innocuous, but. <laughs> Enough to interject, you know, into that. Um, uh, you had the incident with uh, his former uh, uh, professor, Henry Louis Gates, I believe it was up, yep. up, there, sure. up there in Cambridge. Yep. Um, yep. And he, he, you know, how often does a president interject himself into a into a local matter like that and saying, "Hey, you know, I, I don't know what happened with the police there, but you know, something just, you know,
0: something, just something was wrong." And by the way, a little sidebar: I, I like Gates's program, and he's, I think he's decent. However, he recently said something that's a little interesting. He said that the Armenian genocide is being exaggerated by people who have something against Muslims. Just thought I'd toss it okay. right.
2: Um,
0: But, but you, you see my point. And then, and then you go over
1: to, uh, I mean, you go over to the Baltimore situation um, and then you go over to, uh, uh, to uh, Missouri, to the St. Louis area there and Ferguson and, uh, and how he, interjected himself in each one of those instances. And
0: in fact, uh, of racism.
1: And again, it was just a matter of mixing and stirring the pot enough to, to, to agitate and, uh, and create that dissension between, uh, between minorities and police, uh, between minorities and, and, uh, and whites. And I mean, and then to stand back
0: you, and watch everybody you see a clear, yeah.
1: um, uh, you know, at least a clear agenda of, uh, uh, of dissension and and uh, disturbances that were caused, maybe not so much um, through actions, but more so through uh, by words. And when you're a president, it's it's a bully pulpit, and you you kind of uh, your words kind of uh, have carry a little bit more meaning. And so that's why when I say that, I, that's where I'm talking about is is kind of that that whole sense of direction started. Um, you know, during that administration. No, uh,
0: exactly. And, and it's, a, it's a corrupt kind of uh, agitation. I mean, just briefly, I mean, uh, to, to use the example of, of, of Trayvon Martin incident, they doctored the tape so it would make it look like it was racially motivated, literally by chopping by out certain words and isolating other words. Mm-hmm. And then we find out that the guy that did it was not white. And, you know, racism might have had something to do with it, but it was amplified in a way that was, I mean, I think we should note it was just before the 2012 election. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the idea was to, I think, damage Republicans and damage Mitt Romney. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, this is what Republicans, are, you know, they want to, you know, they're, they're gun crazy and, you know, the stand and deliver and all this. And, and it was, it was entirely a political ploy. Mm-hmm. and likewise with other events so that doesn't mean that it can't by the way when president trump came out with a very good package of police reform uh, it was rejected by people like my own congresswoman here ayanna presley
2: mm-hmm.
0: and and democrats because they didn't want trump to look good
2: mm-hmm.
0: you know they didn't want to have um trump to have that on his record mm-hmm. so they stopped that they also stopped um humanitarian aid to um uh, Children coming over the border from Mexico, because again, that would make Trump look good. Mm. I mean, that one did pass, So we don't uh, now. Of course, you know we have the Biden cages, but that's a whole different subject.
2: That, that's a anyway. Whole
0: yeah. So, Michael, let my listeners and viewers know uh, where they can read your articles and your newsletter. Yep,
1: you can uh, find me at uh, politicrossing.com. I uh, am uh, contributing articles, uh, usually about one article a week, um, mm-hmm. and uh, ranges from uh, politics to some some on faith and uh, foreign policy, just a variety of different different subjects depending what what pops in my head. Um, you can find me on uh, on LinkedIn. Um, uh, just look up Michael Schmidt, and you can connect with me on there. I post a lot of my articles and stuff on there as well to read. Um, you can find me on Twitter, um, at Bucky Boy Mike, uh, I've got uh, quite a bit of material that I uh, that I tweet out on a daily basis, news stories, and, and you can follow my uh, my stuff there. And then of course, there's my blog that I've written for the last five years, um, ConservativeThinker.net. Right. Uh, I've got
2: 90
1: 90 plus pieces that you can uh, peruse and uh, a plethora of, of good stuff to read there and share.
0: Excellent. And of course, you're a regular on this program. Yes. I appreciate you
1: having me, as always. I enjoyed discussion. Yes,
0: always a pleasure. And you've got so politicrossing.com is your is your newest uh, information and opinion uh, blog. Yep. And so excellent, Mike. Listen, thanks so much, as always. All right. Thank you, Charles. I appreciate the time. All right. Talk to you soon. Thank All you. Right. You bet. Bye. All right. Bye bye.